On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered round Ezra, the teacher of the law, to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms and other leafy trees to make temporary shelters, as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim, the whole company that had returned from exile, built temporary shelters, and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening. It's lovely to be with you today. Please do keep that passage open. Um, I do have um, some, some, uh, some notes, um, if you're interested afterwards, uh, on the way out, you, you might like to grab. There's some extra questions and things to think about um, on there, if you would like that. I've printed out some copies. Um, we're going to begin by asking the question, how good are you at um, paying attention? Um, I don't know about you, but paying attention is, is not my strong point. <laughs> Sometimes I, I get distracted. I'm, I'm sure we all get distracted and find it difficult to pay attention. Um, sometimes it might be. I think back to my um, lecture days um, at university where you know, you'd be in an hour's lecture and somebody would be speaking at you and you, you know how your, your whole sort of face starts to pull downwards. You've ever had that feeling with your eyes and you try to, to keep your eyes open but the eyeballs are sort of sinking downwards. Have you ever felt that? Or am I on my own here with that feeling? Paying attention could be really, really difficult. I remember some, as a curate, um, there was one guy who, as soon as he started the sermon, he just went, his head went down. Uh, and that was it. Um, but um, I can see you all. <laughs> so be warned. But it's difficult, isn't it, to pay attention? Paying attention can be really difficult. Uh, and that's what we're going to be thinking about um, tonight. Um, last week, we saw Ezra brought the book out, the book uh, of the law, and he began to read from it, and everyone gathered. Everyone gathered. The people heard it, they listened, people responded and celebrated. 
But what happened next? And that's what we've just read. How did they keep their attention going? I mean, that's so vital, isn't it? To keep your attention going. Because it can be all right for a one-off. But what about, what about day two, day three, day 15, day X, Y, Z? Let's, let's pray, shall we? God, our Father, we pray that you would keep our attention on you tonight, on your word. Please, by your spirit, be, be working in our hearts and our lives to, to hear from you, to pay attention to what you're saying. Um, give us attentive hearts and minds um, that we may hear from you tonight. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, our, our reading, um, I think, gives us three uh, words that can help us to uh, think about how we can pay attention. The first word is explanation. The second word is application. And the third word is celebration. It's really easy, isn't it? You're all paying attention already. Explanation. We really need to understand God's words. We need it explained. And so in the second day of the month, um, we notice that we get more of the same from what happened the first day. Um, It's very similar, except notice who was there in verse 13. Who was there? Verse 13 says, The heads of the families, along with the priests, the Levites, they gathered around Ezra, the teacher of the law, to give close attention to the word of the Lord. The impact of the word of God was via the leaders of the people, the heads of the families, the Levites, the priests. Theirs was the responsibility for leaders, you see, to be really attentive uh, and, and therefore to then um, pass it on to families and to the, the wider community. They needed to be attentive so they could go home and, and tell others about it. And as a side application, I think this is really important for us when we, when we think about our small group work, isn't it? And when we think about home groups, small groups, it's one of the reasons where, why we encourage small groups to study the same passages or the same book or the same theme at the same time as what's being studied, uh, what's being um, led from the front. I think that's actually quite important because it helps us to, to rethink upon what we've heard on the Sunday again later in the week. So that we can chew over it, we can kind of let it sink in a little bit more and pray over it. And also it can get to the specifics of each person um, within the groups that we've heard previously. You see, because myself and those at the front, we can't possibly know all the pastoral concerns that are in this, this room tonight, could we? It's not possible. The individual job situations, the individual um, uh, 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 illness problems or, or, or whatever it might be in your group. Um, and so in small groups, you get a chance to then grapple with it as you've heard it from the front. Uh, I think that really brings a kind of clarity then, doesn't it? It gives a clarity to the message. It brings individual application in the small groups. And it builds um, greater unity, what we're hearing from the front and what we're hearing in small groups. 
Now, I'm not saying this is a rule and, and, um, or anything, but I think it's just a helpful um, principle for us to think about as we grow in disciple. Maybe we'll grow more and more as we do more of that kind of thing, as we think about it on Sunday and then think about it in the week at the same time. That's something for us, I think, really to think about as a church. So who was there? Heads of the families, the small group leaders. But notice where they were. Verse 13 tells us that they were gathered round Ezra. It says they were gathered round Ezra. Who's Ezra? What, why Ezra? Who does Ezra think he is? He's, you know, coming on the scene here. This is a, a really important question for us to think about. Because the reason they gathered around Ezra was not on account of his personality. It was not about his personality, but it was about his functionality, the function he played. You see, Ezra had the book. Ezra understood it. Ezra was able to explain it to people and to encourage them and to apply it to their lives. God had entrusted that task to individuals like Ezra, a responsibility entrusted throughout Scripture, through the prophets, the kings, the priests, into the New Testament, through the um, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Gifts God had given to the church, which, of course, sometimes we enjoy, and sometimes you might think we endure. (laughs) But this is really significance of Ezra. It wasn't so much about Ezra, was it? Ezra has a function. It's not about his personality, but his functionality, the role, the gift that God had given him to play in the church, as he's given all of us different gifts and roles to play. And I don't say this... um, is that, I know that this can start sounding like, oh, it's about the, the, the minister, or, or, you know, and I could, you know, it could sound really self-absorbed. And I, I'm really not trying to, to say this at all, but I, I thought perhaps the way to think about this, to apply it, to sort of direct our thinking in this, is to think about those people who taught you the Word of God. Who taught you the Word of God? Think about those people, because when I think about those people, I think of David... I think of Tony, and I think of Steve, three particular people who taught me the Word of God. And I think about my, why did I gather around them? Because that's what what the people did with Ezra. Why did I gather around them? I paid attention. I paid attention because they were teaching me the Word of God. I mean, personality-wise, David was a doer Scot who told the same stories over and over again. And as a teenager, that, could have been, that was quite sort of uh, trying to stay awake at times. Um, uh, Tony, as a student, was a, a kind of you know, straight-talking Yorkshireman, kind of a bit angular and a bit dry at times. But he taught me the Word of God. Steve um, was an ex-psychiatrist. So whenever you saw him, it was a bit like he's reading your soul. (laughs) It felt a bit strange. But he taught me the word of God. There were not particular people I wanted to hang out with or 
felt that they had the same interests as me, that, you know, that we would go for a movie together and have dinner together and we'd talk about football and things like that. But I had such affection for them because they taught me the word of God. The reason I trusted them, the reason I held them in high esteem and learned from them is because they taught me the word of God. They taught me the truth. They taught me things that I that I needed to hear, even though I didn't necessarily want to hear it, particularly at the time. But now looking back, I know it was the truth. Hebrews um, 13, verse 7, says this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It's like... Hebrews, the writer here, saying, Eddie, remember David, Tony, and Steve. Consider their way. And I look back and I consider the way of their lives. They're still walking with the Lord. They're still teaching the word of God. They're still with their wives. They're still faithful and they're still testifying to the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure each of you have got your own particular people and list that you can think of. If you've been a Christian at any time, you can make your list. And it would be good to do that, wouldn't it? To just even now, just go through your mind. Think about them. Remember them. Give thanks for them. Who was there? The heads of the family. The leaders. Where were they? They gathered around Ezra, the teacher of the law. And why did they come? They came because they needed to pay attention, didn't they? To the law. To give attention, verse 13, to the words of the law. The word attention is really interesting because it's, it's much more than just kind of filling your mind with information. It's much more than a brain dump. It's actually filling your... It's about attention that is ready to move into action because we want to hear because we want to know what to do next. It's that kind of sense of the word. It's, it's not kind of looking at the word and sort of weighing it up as if it's going to make sense to you, as if it... it it's really worthy of my time. It's a much more, I, I need it and I'm going to act on it. It's that kind of sense. And so that leads us from explanation to application. We really need, we really need to act on it. We must act on it. Before we look at the, the specific explanation, um, the, the specific application to give here, um, I am reminded of James um, chapter 1. It says, Do not merely listen to the word so, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Do what it says. So the way we come to the word of God is really, really important for us. Our, our attitude that we come to it. Do we come with our minds all already made up? Or are we expectant, hungry for it? Praying that God, and if we're not, maybe we should be praying to God for that hunger. It's really interesting in James chapter 1, you can look at it afterwards, it's on the, the handout, the sheet afterwards. He talks about the things that can affect you listening um, to the word of God correctly, or the things that will affect you from paying attention. It's really interesting some of the things there. One of the things he says is an angry heart. An angry heart can affect the way you listen to God's word. I remember um, not 
long ago having a terrible argument with one of my children. I won't tell you which. Uh, Lisa. Um, uh, and uh, I came to the prayer meeting um, straight from this argument. I was really angry with one of them. And uh, I think Chris was speaking at the, the beginning from the Word of God. I just could not listen. And I just had to go straight home. I said, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm going to have to go home from the prayer meeting, talk to my son, make sure we, we're reconciled, and then come back. I don't know whether I actually came back, but <laughs> I think it needed that long. But you get the point. Doesn't it? An angry heart will really affect you listening to this. Really will affect you. A filthy mind is one of the things James talks about. If you're messing around with thoughts or looking at things, you shouldn't really affect the way you can pay attention. Evil intent, another one, if you're preoccupied with anything evil, an unhealthy occupation with the occult, or anything that is, in a sense, anything that's evil, that will affect you. Fourthly, thing he mentions is a proud listener. If you sit there and you think, I know what's coming, I know what Eddie's going to say, I know it. I know it before he says it, and I've made up my mind what I'm going to hear. A proud listener. That really would affect your ability to pay attention. So we need to repent and we need to check these out, check ourselves out before the word of God because there could be something that's hindering you from paying attention to God's word. Because they paid close attention, they discovered that there was a festival that they had me neglecting. Verse 14, they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival. It was the Feast of the Tabernacles, or the Feast of the Booths, um, which is described in Leviticus 23. The people were to live in these temporary uh, accommodation for a short while um, in the seventh month, and it was to remind them um, that they had been pilgrims uh, having been rescued from Egypt um, and lived in the wilderness in these temporary booths on their way to the promised land. This was the second day of the month um, of the feast. Uh, sorry, and the feast was supposed to take place on the 15th um, day of the month. So they had about a fortnight to get ready. A fortnight. Verse 15, go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild, uh, and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms, other leafy trees to make temporary shelters at his, as it is written. So, so they did it. They did it. And they discovered things that they were supposed to do. And they did it. It's simple, isn't it? They just did it. No ifs and buts, no kind of querying it. God said this, we should go and do it. It's really simple, isn't it? God said to be honest. Better be honest, hadn't we? God says love those who hate you, so we better do it. Simple, isn't it? God says marriage between, is between a man and a woman, so that we should all honor that, shouldn't we? God says don't lie, but speak the truth. And you list that could go on, couldn't it? I mean, of course, this could, can be really, I say it's simple, but of course it's really challenging. It's re- hugely challenging. It's hugely costly. It can be hard for us to accept. 
I mean, presumably these people in Nehemiah, Maya's days, had diaries like we have diaries. Oh, 13 days, and we've got to have this festival. I'm sorry, I've got all these things in my, my diary to do, these, these other priorities and, and whatnots and things that are going on. I'm not sure I can fit it in. But the Word of God, you see, can flip people's priorities upside down in an instant. What will this say to a, a, watching, a watching world? What would it say? It says that the Bible, the Word of God is important. It will say, faith is real. It is worked out, and I am doing what God has asked me to, know, to do. I, I know a, a couple in this church who decided last year to not have a family holiday because they wanted to spend that money in as they felt God was leading them to do. They were living it out. It, God was instructing them and they went and did it. I'm not saying that all of us have to do that, but that was something they felt God was saying to them. The Bible will have that kind of impact. It will flip our priorities upside down. And you can imagine Tobiah and Sam Ballot, these characters you might remember from earlier on, the people who didn't like um, Nehemiah and the building of the wall. You can imagine them watching uh, and it, it going on. Look at what they're doing. They've built a wall. And now they're building temporary huts out of sticks. <laughs> Look at that. Look at what they're, they're doing. They're building an, outbu- an outbuilding. And they're living in it. They've got these shrubbery. <laughs> and they're... Uh, you know, sticks and olives and all that sort of thing. How, how, how pathetic that is. How, how naive, how, how stupid, how, how seemingly pointless that seems to be. How so passé, how yesterday that is. I mean, that is what the watching world will often think as we live out what God is, is saying to us to do. That is what it will be like. Look at where they built the booze, verse 16. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in in their courtyards, in the court of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and one by the gate of Ephraim. At home, in worship, and in the public square. That's where they were building them. Do you see, do you think that would have an impact on the world around? What are people seeing? What was going on? You can imagine, can't you, one neighbor phoning up the the other and and sort of, I'm going to get this muddled up, but you you go with it. Phoning up and saying saying to you, oh, I see, um, there's a strange extension on your house and in your garden. I suppose the kids are mucking around, aren't they? Uh, Actually, it's me. (laughs) It's me. We've been instructed from God to do this, to build these booths. What on earth are you doing that for? <laughs> and you can imagine the conversation going on. Here. Uh, well, we've been instructed by, by God because, well, our people lived in Egypt and God had rescued us. We'd escaped death by the blood of a lamb that was painted on the doorposts and he brought us through the promised land 
And as we came through the promised land, we lived in booths like these booths and we're tempted all the time to forget and to not pay attention at all to what God is saying. And, and although we've forgotten and neglected, now we're doing it again. We haven't done it for years, so we've done what God has asked. The neighbors on the phone, probably you hear the, it hang up. Or you might just get somebody says to you, hmm, that's a bit weird but I'm interested to know more. It's a bit weird, but I'm interested to know more. How crazy are you prepared to be for Jesus Christ? How crazy are you prepared to be? Because right now, I don't sometimes think, and I say this to myself, that I don't think we look that crazy to people who are watching in the world. What do we represent to our friends and to our our neighbors? Where's the distinctive discipleship community that causes people to say, there's something about those Christians that's challenging me? We're not called to conform, are we? We're, We're called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds in view of God's mercy, of all that he's done. We're meant to stand out. We're meant to be distinctive. Yes, it won't be easy won't be easy. It's not easy. But that's the deal, isn't it? That's what God asks. You see, if the heads of the families hadn't have gone to listen to the explanation, they wouldn't have been able to apply it to the people's lives. And then they wouldn't have been able to share in the wonderful celebration that comes, isn't it? Because there's a wonderful celebration here the final celebration, we really need to enjoy it. Verse 17, and the joy was very great. It was very great. Not just a little bit great. It was very great. It was really good. It was something worth celebrating. Not just a bit okay. It was really great what happened. The whole community came together, verse 17. The whole company, everyone came. No one stayed behind Um, No one said, I'm washing my hair tonight. I'm sorry I can't come. No one said that. No one said, I'm sorry I'm doing something else. There was great celebration. I've got, I know it's corny, but two boxes of celebration, okay? Thank you. I couldn't afford three. (laughs) Um, I'm going to put these at the back with the sheet and grab one afterwards and Take a, take a celebration and then find somebody to celebrate with. Say something about why God's word you've applied and why you want to celebrate it. They'll be there at the back. We can do that together. Hopefully we won't run out. If we do, I'll, I'll bring in some more. We should all continually be celebrating. What was the focus of that celebration? Well, day after day, From the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law. They were hungry. They were hungry because they'd neglected the word of God. And by the Spirit of God, they had a hunger for it. And it renewed their community in an unbelievable way, which we will see as we go on through Nehemiah. It renewed God's people. It had an impact that was deep and transformative. 
It changed them into a community committed to God. They moved from explanation to application to celebration. And we're going to do that shortly as we sing. We're going to celebrate. And as we come around the table, we're going to celebrate what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Let's be quiet for a, a moment and I'll, I'll pray. Oh God, our Father, thank you so much that you've given us your word. We thank you that by your spirit we, we can know more of your word and understand it better and apply it to our lives, Father. We pray that you would do that in us as individuals but as a community to, to revive us and renew us to bring us to uh, the places in our, in, uh, in our lives where we need to be changed. Show us how we're to be, apply it, that we may be that radical community being distinctive for you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.